This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. That would be yours truly. Uh, We are brought to you exclusively every Saturday afternoon uh, at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, and you can do the math from there on American Family Radio. And my thanks to Tim Wildman and all the folks over at the American Family Association for allowing me to do this show. And by the way, I am getting an increasing number of people who come up to me at speaking engagements around the country and tell me they listen to the show or they listen to the podcast and really enjoy it. And folks, I really appreciate that feedback. I really do. This is a very unusual situation for a public speaker, I will tell you. I am used to, I'm, I'm you know, a very busy public speaker and probably the busiest in the parenting field in America today. And uh, that has been the case for a number of years. And a public speaker is used to speaking to an audience where he can see body language and facial expressions and people's reactions to what he's saying just in general. And doing a radio show like this has been a, a real challenge for me because what I'm seeing as I do the show is a computer screen, and behind that, the wood of the credenza that my computer sits in. So it is very helpful to know what you're uh, thinking about the show, and my great appreciation to those people who come up to me at speaking engagements and, and tell me how much they enjoy the show, and they look forward to listening to it every week, and so on and so forth. And so... If you would like to give me some feedback or give me some ideas as to what you want me to discuss on the show, please do so by going to radio at Rosemond, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. It looks like it ought to be pronounced Rosemond, but somehow, and probably originally it was, but somehow and at some point in time along the way, Rosemond became Rosemond, just kind of slurred, and uh, so that's uh, that's the pronunciation. But the spelling is R O S E M O N D. So send your emails, pro con, full of ideas, whatever, to radio at rosemond.com. Believe me, every email that you send is read. They are not all read by me. They are read by my administrative assistant, who happens to be my daughter, (laughs) Amy. And uh, Amy sends me those that she feels that I need to read and sort of summarizes for me the rest. So a few years ago, in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, a fellow who regularly writes opinion pieces for the WSJ said that the greatest public relations marketing coup of the last 50 years was the success on the part of the homosexual community in America at persuading the American public that homosexual marriage was not a threat to anyone 
much less a threat to the fabric of American culture. Well, he was wrong, but uh, not for the reason that perhaps you're immediately thinking that he was wrong. He was wrong because the greatest public relations marketing coup of the last 50 years has, in fact, been the success on the part of the homosexual community in America at persuading the average uh, American Joe and Joanne that homosexuality is not a matter of choice, that it is rather hardwired biologically into an individual at birth. The they-can't-help-it hypothesis, and and this uh, they-can't-help-it hypothesis is completely unsupported by common sense. You have out there, in fact, a lot of people who are professing, practicing homosexuals today who in the past have been in successful heterosexual relationships, and you have people who in the past were in homosexual relationships who are today in successful heterosexual relationships, and So, obviously, homosexuality is not hardwired into a person. The sympathetic researchers in the medical field, psychiatric field, psychological field have been trying to find the homosexual smoking gun for at least 50 years and have come up empty-handed, during which time, ladies and gentlemen, the entire human genome has been mapped, and no one's come up with a homosexual gene. Uh, Various theories have been explored. Maybe the uh, uh, because of uh, some traumatic event, while the child was in utero, the child was flooded with a certain uh, chemical or mix of chemicals that bring about homosexuality. No one's been able to prove any of these bizarre theories to date. And I propose that no one will be able to prove these bizarre theories, any of them, because homosexuality is, in fact, a matter of choice. And let me deal for a moment with an argument that was raised by an Atlanta talk show host a few years ago. He's since retired. I'm not going to identify him any further than that. The guy's very libertarian. He's pro choice, and he has what I would consider to be a neutral attitude toward homosexuality, a kind of uh, live-and-let-live attitude. And a few years ago, I was uh, driving down the road listening to the guy because occasionally he made sense. And he said, in the, in the context of talking about homosexuality, he said, uh, why, asking a rhetorical question, Why would anyone in their right mind choose a sexual orientation that uh, brings down upon them so much social scorn? Well, that is what's called a red herring argument, ladies and gentlemen. On the surface, it it has a semblance of, uh, of logic to it. But if you dissect that statement, that sentence, What you can do is you can fill in the word homosexuality. Why would anyone choose to be homosexual when homosexuality brings down such social scorn? 
you can fill in or exchange the words homosexual and homosexuality with anything that brings down social scorn. Why would someone choose to be a rapist when raping women brings down such social scorn? Why would someone choose to be a, uh, a murderer when being a murderer brings down such social scorn? And so on and so forth. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a hollow argument. And thus I said occasionally the guy made sense, but, but not all that often in my estimation. He has since retired and better luck to him. So I have maintained, and rather privately, although I've shared this with friends for a number of years, that the next event over the sexual horizon is the normalization and legalization of pedophilia. And what I predict is that pedophiles, and, and this is already happening, ladies and gentlemen, the prediction which I have been making for over, I would say, 20 years. It is, it is now coming to fruition, and I'm going to explain that during the show, that what pedophiles are going to do is to do exactly what homosexuals have done, and that is they are going to claim that they can't help it. They are going to claim that their attraction to children under the age of legal sexual consent is in fact hardwired into them that this attraction has been present for as long as they can remember. They have never been attracted sexually to individuals who are peers and so on and so forth. It would be, given the success of the homosexual community at putting forth and persuading people of this bogus claim. It would be the logical thing for the pedophile community in America to do. And by the way, the pedophile community in America is organized. Uh, this is uh, not a community of people who you've got uh, one over here and one over there and so on. If you're interested, check out the Man-Boy Love Association of America let me assure you, they are organized and they are lobbying behind the scenes in various ways, including supporting research that would support their agenda. They are lobbying to affect a lowering of the legal age of consent in this country. They are indeed organized and they have friends in high places. For example, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is a Supreme Court justice, you may know, nominated to the bench by Bill Clinton, is a staunch and outspoken advocate for lowering the age of legal consent for engaging in sexual behavior to below age 12, below age 12. In uh, 1977, she co-authored a book. By the way, the uh, writing of the book and the publication of the book was supported by federal funds. That's called taxpayer money. The book is called Sex Bias in the U.S. Code. It was co-authored by a very radical feminist. 
And in the book, Ginsburg called for reducing the age of consent for sexual acts to persons who are, quote, less than 12 years old. Doesn't that blow your mind? Got more to blow your mind after the break. Stay with me, folks. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So, a phrase that is associated with traditional parenting, of which I am an advocate. Four words that when calmly and straightforwardly spoken by a parent to a child who has just, quote, asked, end quote, the two most rebellious questions that children ask, one of the two, either why or why not, in response to a parental decision or instruction, those four words in that context are nothing more than an affirmation of the legitimacy of parental authority. And uh, let me state for the record that your, if you are a parent listening to this show, your authority over your children is assigned to you by the highest of authorities. Therefore, under no circumstances are you required to justify any decision you make concerning your child or his life or any instruction that you give to your child any prohibition that you levy in your child's life concerning his behavior or uh, the, the boundaries that you have placed around his behavior. So because I am a one-man uh, crusade for bringing back traditional, biblically-based parenting in America, I decided to call the show because I said so. So before the break, I was talking about Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is undoubtedly the most left-wing, the most socialistic, communistic, liberal, sitting currently on the United States Supreme Court, and I shared with my audience, and I'm, I'm repeating this in case you've just joined us, that in 1977, Ginsburg co-authored a book called Sex Bias in the U.S. Code, the U.S. Code referring to legal statutes. And uh, in this book, which was funded by taxpayer money, Ginsburg called for reducing the age of consent for sexual acts to persons who are, and this is a quote from the book, less than 12 years old, end quote. Uh, Just to put that into some uh, context, she also asserted that laws against bigamists, persons cohabiting with more than one woman, and women cohabiting with a bigamist are unconstitutional. She objected to laws against prostitution because prostitution as a consensual act between adults is arguably within the zone of privacy protected by constitutional decisions. And she wrote that the MAN, M-A-N-N, Act, which punishes those who engage in interstate sex traffic of women and girls 
is offensive. That was the word she used in the book, offensive, the Mann Act, which is a law that pertains to sex trafficking, is, according to Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, quote, offensive, end quote. She believes that sex trafficking should be considered, quote, within the zone of privacy, end quote. So earlier I said these people are uh, pedophiles, in other words, are highly organized, and they have enlisted the aid of researchers in the medical, psychiatric, and psychological fields who are attempting through bogus research to strengthen the case for lowering the age of sexual consent in America to below age 12, as recommended by Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 1977. Just a few years before, uh, maybe 10, 12 years before, she was nominated to the Supreme Court by Bill Clinton. I have difficulty even saying the guy's name. He's such a, oh, I don't know, this might be a family show, so I, I, will, uh, I will withhold any words of disparagement, but uh, you get my point, I'm sure. Recently published that purports to prove that there is no ubiquitous lasting harm to minors who engage in same-sex sexual relationships with, with much older adults. Yeah, you heard that right. There is a researcher, his name is Bruce Rind, R-I-N-D, who claims on the basis of the research that he has done, which is extremely controversial, but it was published in a peer-reviewed journal. He purports to have discovered that there is no general lasting harm to minors who engage in homosexual relationships with much older adults. This researcher, Bruce Rind, has led studies suggesting that there is no noticeable difference in long-term regret, shame, or other negative reactions when compared to the teenager's long-term response, to teenagers' long-term response, to a long-term response on the part of teenagers in general, to having had sex for the first time with members of the opposite sex. So what he's saying is that for teenagers to have sex is no big deal, that there is no lasting shame. It doesn't matter whether it's homosexual or heterosexual sex. There is no lasting shame. There is no difference in the long-term response. There is no lasting guilt. And there is no increase in either case in the risk of emotional pro long-term emotional problems. In uh, the studies that this fellow did, the minor girls were on average eight, age 15, while their same-sex partners, women, were 26. And for males, the boys in the study that uh, this fellow Rind analyzed were, again, age 15 on average, and their partners, men, 
were 28 years old on average. So to put this guy Ryan's research into a proper context, this guy is obviously not unbiased. He uh, has associated with age of, conform, age of consent reform organizations in the past. In the years before his paper was written, he had published articles in a journal called Pydica. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a Greek word. The Journal of Pedophilia, a journal that is dedicated to demonstrating that pedophilia has been and remains a legitimate and productive part of the totality of human experience. That's the, that's the assertion made by the editors of the Journal of Pedophilia, that pedophilia has been and remains, in other words, has been historically and remains today, a legitimate and productive part of the totality of human experience. Rind has been a keynote speaker at pedophile advocacy conferences occurring in the Netherlands, etc., etc. In other words, the guy is hardly unbiased. He is. Uh, he brings an agenda to his research, and uh, therefore. Uh, nothing that he claims to have discovered should be taken at face value. Okay, so here's another prediction of mine, folks. I, I hope I've made a case for my theory that pedophilia is the next event just over the sexual reform horizon in America. We have had the normalization of homosexuality in America, the decriminalization of homosexuality. Homosexuality was removed from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It is no longer considered a psychological aberration. And what is, uh, we are moving now rapidly in America toward the same things happening concerning pedophilia. And here is my prediction. My prediction is that within several years, several meaning up to five, ten, a pedophile is going to be put on trial for having had sex with a young male. And the pedophile is going to argue through his attorneys in court that the Acts that he engaged in with said young boy constituted informed consent on the part of the young boy because said young boy has been exposed to sex education concerning homosexuality in the public school that he has attended since kindergarten. He is going to argue this through his attorneys, and it is my prediction that within the next 10 years, an argument of that sort is, in fact, going to succeed in a court of law, and that the adult male is going to be found not guilty by virtue of the argument that the acts he engaged in with a young male constituted informed consent because said young male has been attending sex education classes since age five 
at the elementary school that he attends. Folks, the bottom line here is that this is really bad stuff. And I mean, I don't know how to put it any other way. It's just really bad stuff. And furthermore, I think that um, unfortunately, it's almost inevitable. And furthermore, I believe that we in the Christian community need to begin discussing these inevitabilities and figuring out how we are going to deal with them proactively and also when they come to fruition. So it's the, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh says the fastest three hours in radio. Well, this is the fastest 30 minutes in my life, folks. We're up against uh, the end of the show. Thanks for joining us. Hope you will do so next Saturday. In the meantime, God bless you all. God bless your families. Be well and happy.